All right. Well, church family, this is Pastor David Adams, and I told you this past Sunday that we were going to have a chance to extend the sermon, the kind of the extended cut, or like Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story from Sunday's sermon. And we're going to spend about 10 minutes looking at God's Word so that we get the whole picture. Um, we're going to continue over the next few weeks just trying to play with things to make sure that I get a little bit better at conserving my voice, but at the same time, we don't cut short God's Word. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me back to Daniel chapter 3. Uh, that's where we're going to be hanging out um, for a little bit today and uh, looking at this uh, from a different angle. We're going to extend the sermon. This is going to be uh, in line with, you'll see in a lot of agreement with what we talked about on Sunday, but we're going to be looking at it from a different perspective. So if you haven't um, seen the service from Sunday, I would really encourage you to go and listen to that sermon, and then this one will uh, extend that. I would hate for anyone to just get part of the story uh, with what we're going to talk about today. Um, but we're going back to um, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said as we talk about that foundation of deliverance. If you remember uh, this past Sunday, we talked about the word deliverance, that it means liberate, right? Or it means to save. It means God uh, was going to provide a way, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed that, and the king was saying the same thing. He was saying, no one's able to liberate you from me. You're mine. I am in total control. There's nothing you can do about it. So we talked about how this was a challenge, not to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the challenge was to the Almighty God whom they served. Like, who is able? That's exactly what King Nebuchadnezzar said is, and who is the God who will deliver you out of our hands? And so last week we looked at, looked at the picture of Nebuchadnezzar and how um, the Lord showed him who was able is what we saw on certain Sunday. But today, what we're going to look at is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just for a few minutes, more for an encouragement for you and I, and I don't want you to miss that. That's the best part. I mean, uh, I remember growing up, I played soccer, and uh, loved, loved playing soccer as a kid, but my favorite time was when parents brought over, uh, you know, those um, cut-up oranges, right, and Capri Suns. If we got cut-up oranges and Capri Suns at halftime, we could make it through the second half. Like, we were amazed. We just loved it. didn't take much back then. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to just kind of feast on some oranges and Capri Suns today as we look in God's Word. So look back with me at Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response back to King Nebuchadnezzar, just at verse 16 and 17 and 18. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will be able to deliver, excuse me, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, or worship the golden image that we have set up. You see, the first thing I want you to notice is the confidence that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had had, and, and you start to wonder where their confidence came from, and it came from that consistent walk, that consistent relationship with God that Scripture points us to as they've followed their, just the small story of their testimony in, in Daniel chapter 1, and now here in chapter 3. But as students of God's Word and a relationship with Him, I can imagine that stories from Scripture that have been memorized, that were burnt into them, the, the, the king had taken away their scrolls of Scripture, but he hadn't taken away what they had memorized. And I think that's why God says, hide His Word in your heart. No matter what people do, they can't steal what has been implanted inside of you. And so as I think about that, as these three young Jewish boys 
what were the stories that they would think about? Well, they'd think about Abraham and Isaac because that was the promise, right? What happened? God was able to deliver Abraham and Isaac from the sacrifice of Isaac. He provided, right, the goat with his horns stuck in the in the branches. Maybe they thought about Moses in the Red Sea. The, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians were hot on their trail. What God was going to be able to deliver them? Well, the Red Sea parted and God made a path for them. They didn't even have to experience the droplets of the water, so to speak. Maybe they even thought of Elijah, right? Uh, when we look at Elijah and his story, what did Elijah experience? Well, Elijah, um, on the other hand, he, he just was taken out of the picture. Like he didn't even have to endure what was going on. God just sucked him up and said, hey, let's go, right? And so I can imagine those stories are flowing into their mind. Uh, and I think sometimes that's, that's God's encouragement to us. But I don't want us to believe that we must force God to work in the way that he has uh, worked with other people all the time. I think their, their stories are encouragements for us that God is sovereign and is able to deliver us without having to be the template for which we think or, or project that God must work upon. So uh, as we chew on that, um, I started to think, what were they thinking about? I, I wonder if they thought, Lord, you're going to bring a torrential rainstorm like we've never seen, or you're just going to blow the fire out. Like, you're just going to blow it out, and we're not going to have any problems. Or, or possibly, you're just going to take us out. Like, we're just going to, to not be on the scene, scene anymore. We're just, we're just going to be gone. Or, or even more so, maybe the moment we fall into the fire, you're gonna, not, not going to make us experience death. We're just going to go be with you. I really wonder, if I was one of them, I would have thought I'd have been thinking something along those lines. And, and you and I, we look in that off, and we say, God, if you're going to deliver us, we either want you to remove or extinguish the fire that surrounds us, or we want you to remove us from the situation. And those are the two lanes that we normally think about. But look what happens. God does neither one of those things with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He neither extinguishes the fire, nor he, remove, he doesn't remove them from it. Now, it, what does he do? He lets them get bound up and thrown in. And look what happens in verse 24 to 27. The king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste and declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered, But I see four men, and they're unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and their appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. And then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning fire furnace, and he shouted out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And so they came out of the fire and they came here. And let's just pause right there for a second. Here's what's interesting. What did Nebuchadnezzar see? Have you ever thought about this? He saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a fourth who looked like the sons of the God. We, I believe wholeheartedly that that's this Christophany, this, this revelation of, of the Lord bring, making his physical presence available with these men. So if that's what the king sees from the outside, have you ever thought or wondered what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing on the inside? I think because of the felt pictures of life and the pictures of life, we just think that they're just standing there. Or maybe we think they're just walking around, not talking. But that seems like the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, have you ever thought, what were they doing in the fire? 
And when I, when I seriously processed that, I thought, Lord, they're rejoicing. They are conversing with the Almighty. We might think and hearken it back like the men on the road to Emmaus as the word of God's burning their heart, as the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking it to them. I bet that they are celebrating, looking, their bonds are, are gone. The fire's not hurting. Can you imagine them looking at their arms, smiling and hugging one another? getting encouragement, edification from Jesus. And I, I think of the Mount of Transfiguration and the encouragement that Jesus got from Moses and Elijah. I bet they were having the best moment of their entire existence because the Lord liberated them in the fire, not from the fire. You see, that's the joy of this story. Is the Lord knew the glory that he would share with them, the blessing that he would share them, them with them in the fire was infinitely better than what it would have been if he would have not made them or allowed them to endure the fire. And Kurt, listen, maybe we need to depend and lean into God's deliverance, but stop telling him how to deliver us. Because if he were to listen, then we would miss out on the joy of the presence of God in the midst of our trials. We would miss out on the liberation of God in the middle of the fire. The fire became just a backdrop to the joy. How do you think that Jesus endured the cross? Because the joy that was before him. So if you and I, as we walk with the Lord, if we want to lean into his deliverance, then I want to encourage you to change how you're praying or change what you're looking for as the fire is coming upon you. What is God going to do in the fire? You know, I could tell you some of the most difficult seasons of my life have been the sweetest with Jesus. I have story and story of friends who've been unemployed and during their unemployment when everything should be havoc is when they found the most joy in their relationship with Christ and the most peace came upon them and God liberated them in the fire versus taking a roundabout through it. Have you ever thought of that? There was joy in the fire and it was the greatest joy of their life. I believe it wholeheartedly up to that point and ever. And if they had to do it again, I bet you they would say, oh, please don't put out the fire. <laughs> Did you need that right now? I'm pretty excited. Verse 27, I do want you to know the fire did do something. In verse 27, it says, And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's counselors, they gathered together, and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. Not the hair on their heads was singed, the cloaks weren't harmed, the smell of fire came upon them, none of it. Church, I want you to know there was only one thing that the fire had power over, their bonds. The Bible says in verse 24, I see four men unbound. You see, the Lord used what was meant to destroy them, to provide freedom for them from the bonds of men and sin that the spirit of Babylon had placed on them. If they don't go in the fire, do the bonds get loosened? 
You see, I, I believe wholeheartedly that this world puts things on us, that they project things onto us, this intimidation. They bind us, and they dare us to move. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't try to wiggle out of their bonds. They allowed the Lord to destroy them in the fire. Oh, when the enemy's weapons are turned on themselves. Go back and read in the book of Kings, in the book of Samuel. Go back and read the book of Joshua, how often the Lord uses the, the tools of sinful men to destroy themselves and to free his people. When Jericho, when the walls fall down, the men turned on themselves. Look at battle over battle after battle, where the God's people didn't have to lift a finger because what the enemy meant as a tool for destructing and destroying God's people was actually a tool that God used to provide them freedom and promise. Mm. Church, don't let the intimidating things of this world, the bondages of this world, tie you down. Because the Lord has a history well documented in scripture of providing freedom for his people through the fires created by his enemies. And their testimony was awesome. What did the king say? He said, man, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 28, he has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command. Church, what does it look like to be faithful to, to a God who delivers? Simply said, it means trusting in the Lord and being willing to set aside the things of men in order to do so. That's what it looks like to believe in a God who delivers. And I know when we believe in the God who delivers and follow him faithfully into the fire that the bonds of men will have no power over our life and the joy of the presence of Jesus Christ will be greater and sweeter than anything we could imagine. And get a little taste of that today in your heart and in your life. Can you trust God in such a way where you're not asking him to remove the fire, but you're simply requesting that he be with you wherever you go and that you know the joy of his presence and therefore what real abundance in life is? So there's the rest of the story. Will you follow him into the fire? Not fighting not struggling, just simply trusting. I'll see you on Sunday. Father God, we love you. Would you help us to be faithful? Would you help us to follow you? Lord, would you allow us to know that however you choose to provide salvation and liberation for your people, that it is the best, most joyful way possible. Would you help us stand against the fears and the commands of Babylon and trust you, God, so that we might find joy in every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen.